And welcome back, high and wide listeners, to another edition of HW Full Circle. I'm your host, as always, Jack Smith, along with my co-host, as always, Steve Ferrari. This is the home of the Met- of the Metro Mass Mutual East Report, some around the NHL news. And as always, we bring it all back to your Philadelphia Flyers Full Circle. Uh, we had a lot that went on this week, including the trade deadline day a lot went down a lot didn't go down and we're definitely going to dive deep into that but before we get started i just want to remind you guys as you may know cbd oil has been covering the market i'm sorry cornering the market when it comes to alleviating joint pain anxiety insomnia general pain relief and inflammation as someone who suffers with bouts of anxiety and now insomnia that i have a newborn getting my hands on reliable relief makes the difference that's where green compass comes in you name it, and there is a product from Green Compass that can help you out. Interested in buying or, or even selling CBD or just want some more general information about CBD oils, reach out to Chelsea Gavetti at 610-329-9924 and mention the High Wide podcast. Again, that's Chelsea Gavetti at 610-329-9924 and mention this podcast for an additional discount on your first purchase. They also have a website as well. Please check that out Any information you would i would recommend calling it's easier to get a hold of somebody right away and she can talk all the deals and any information you might not be able to find on the site but i do strongly suggest if you are dealing with pain or stress or anxiety as we all are in this very tough time as a satisfied customer please check that out and without further ado let's move on to the nhl trade deadline recap and before we break it down for you steve what was your overall thoughts on everything leading up to and the deadline itself I I kind of went into it thinking that we would have a little bit more of a timid trade deadline. We know so many teams are up against the cap, um, a flat cap. You're, you're a lot of these teams just didn't have the ability to make a lot of moves, and I think that kind of we kind of saw that. Um, you had some minor deals going back and forth, uh, some depth defensemen, some depth forwards. I mean you kind of knew the the usual players that were going to get moved. Um, Felino was a bit of a, a bigger name. That one was surprising. I think we all knew um, Taylor Hall was going to get moved. Um, and then you had some of those under the radar guys. I think we talked about it. Michael Roffel, we, we expected to go. Um, one of the defensemen, I thought maybe Braun, but it ended up being Gustafson. So it was overall, I thought it was a pretty quiet trade deadline. Um, you had one big move made by Washington um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I was, I was a little surprised that we didn't see some more movement, but like I said, the, the, I think the salary cap dictated a lot of that. And not to mention you're playing so many games in the division. It's like a lot of these teams are close to a playoff spot and still fighting. And you just don't want to give up on guys too early, or maybe they're in your plans for next year. So it was, it, it was a little more quiet, but we still saw a little bit of movement here and there. Yeah, it was definitely interesting to me. I was a little worried. Actually, I was very worried and almost sold on the fact that Fletcher wasn't going to do anything. Yeah. I was surprised, and we'll get into it, that Scott Lawton was not moved. Uh, And it felt like when I had heard he had signed, it was like, this is what you were doing with all your trade deadline time. You know, I got a little (laughs) upset about that, but we'll get into it, as I said. A couple of guys went for cheaper. Some guys went for what I thought they felt they should have, and other guys went for incredibly cheap. So let's just jump right into it. We'll start at the bottom of the division, and uh, we'll just 
discuss all the team's moves, whether you're shipping in or shipping out, buyers or sellers. And at the bottom of the division is still, because there's still time left in the season, the Flyers are trying to get there. But right now it is the Buffalo Sabres in 45 games. They are 12, 26, and 7 for 31 points with a minus 43 goal differential. They were selling. They made at least four sell moves. Uh, first first move they made of the, uh, of the trade deadline season was Joan, Jonas Johansson, uh, He'll be a restricted free free agent at the end of the year. He was shipped off to Colorado for a 2021 six round pick. He is looking to be their third goaltender right now with the uh, acquisition of Devin Dubnik. They also moved Eric Stahl, who will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, to Montreal. They did manage to grab uh, a third and fifth in the 2021 draft, which isn't a terrible haul. Uh, they moved right-handed defenseman Brandon Montour. He'll be a free agent at the end of the year to Florida for a 2021 third. So already picking up a lot of picks in 2021. Uh, and the big one, the huge one here, and this is the one they're getting blasted for. They did finally move Taylor Hall, who was an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, as well as forward Curtis Lazar. If you remember him, he jackknifed Scott Lawton at center ice. He does have a year left on his deal for 800K after this season. They moved them to Boston for... Andres Bork, who's got two years left at 1.6 mil, and they did get a 2021 second round pick out of that. Uh, I threw four deals at you. You can start with whatever one you want. You can even skip over some of the minor ones. Just uh, Buffalo's trade deadline for you. I mean, I, I think they did a good job moving pieces that weren't in their long-term plans. Uh, Taylor Hall, at the, I, I, I recall saying it at the beginning, um, maybe even before the season started, it seemed like that was a let's see if it works with Eichel, and if it doesn't, it's one year. Um, by the trade deadline, he'll have roughly what four million left, and he'll be an attractive trade piece on the market, so we can flip him for something else. Now, I think when they brought him in, they were thinking at minimum he would net them a first-round pick, but the stink in Buffalo seemed to have really um, laid into him, and it, it it didn't work out the way they expected. Uh, he had two goals in his Buffalo tenure. And I believe he has at least two goals with Boston already. So that wore off pretty quickly. Um, now you could say it's playing with better players. Eichel's been out for a few weeks now, and he's going to miss the rest of the season. Um, but I still think knowing what all the other teams knew about Taylor Hall and the way he'd been playing, they got a pretty decent return, all things considered. And not to mention, getting Curtis Lazar back might be a little bit of an under-the-radar pickup for Boston, but we can talk about that when we get to them. I, I like the return of Anders Bjork. Um, he's been a – I don't think he ever worked out in Boston, and I th think he became expendable. So get a guy w w under contract. They have most of their team not under contract going into next year. So you're going to need to put some bodies on, on the ice. And getting a guy like Bjork, maybe maybe he turns turns the corner of his career and it works out, and then you get a second-round pick out of it. So all things considered, as bad as Buffalo has been this year – um, as bad as some of their players have been, I don't think they did a terrible job at the deadline. Um, when you look at everything in totality and you, they, they, like you said, they, they got a bunch of picks back for the 2021 draft and maybe they'll start wheeling and dealing some of those as we get closer, but I, I can't hate what they did. A second, two thirds, a fifth and a sixth, all in the 2021 draft, a draft in which we're going to say you want more lottery tickets than you do the big ticket simply because of how things have broken down. I really can't hate – I get the hate on the Taylor Hall move, but I can't hate too, too much because Taylor Hall had, what, two goals up until the trade deadline? Two goals. I mean, that. what are you supposed to do with that? 
Like right. he, he really gave you nothing to work with. And it wasn't just because Eichel was out. So, I mean, listen, you got, you got pretty much, you got more for Eric Stahl <laughs> in this draft. Um, you know, so it, Montour brought back a decent return for all things considered. They did, did the best they could. It is what it is. I can't hate it. Boston definitely made out, but you know, uh, they'll have plenty of picks moving forward. They knew they were going to keep Hall. It was no way in hell he was going to resign. Is it the best they could have gotten? No, but that's not really their fault. So at least they got something for some for all these players, which is more than some of these other selling teams did. So I definitely can't hate that there. Uh, can't say the future is bright for Buffalo. Wouldn't shock me if in the summer or next trade deadline we're talking Jack Eichel, but we'll see. Uh, Rista Line was not moved. Uh, Miller wasn't moved. So not that I expected they, that they would, but I thought we might hear something on them. I really, really didn't. Uh, but you know what? Those guys are still – well, Ristolain is still a young guy. Maybe that's a, uh off-season move. Who knows? Uh, they got a lot they got to change up there. So as far as the trade deadline is concerned, they moved out four guys, and they got six picks back. I mean how – you really can't hate on that. So Ristolain surprised me a little bit. I, I thought this might finally be the year he gets moved. Um, two years left, a little cost certainty for another team. Uh, it's I still can't figure out why people in Buffalo hate him as much, and I'm guessing seeing him every day might change the tune. But I, I thought he would have been an attractive piece. Maybe the price was just a little bit too high because um, you saw some other defensemen changing teams, and they really weren't going for uh, a, a big big return. So. The fact that he didn't get moved, uh, I, I got to think that Kevin Adams was asking for more than teams were willing to get up, give up at that $5.4 million price tag. But I, I again, I wouldn't be shocked if he got moved in the offseason. I um, I can't help but think, and this goes with guys like Braun as well, that in this flat cap error, uh, these guys just are much, much rather would have unrestricted free agents, guys they could just let go and aren't mm-hmm. aren't married to really you know with this flat cap and they keep they don't want to definitely don't want to have dead money on their on their books and even though like a guy like braun has almost nothing like what's it 1.6 million or something like it's just money you don't want on the cap and a lot of these teams when you when you look at cap friendly they have these buyouts that you don't remember you don't don't see and like that money adds up so like you gotta especially in a flat cap so they're i think they're being very wary with who they acquire and why and I, i think that has something to do with it Unless you get a team to take money back, and again, you know some of these teams did do this. Um, I believe on the Taylor Hall deal that I mean it's a one-year deal, so if you take back half, what's it really matter? You yeah, know, it's, it's just money for a year. Retained, big deal. Like it's one year. It, how many of those have you seen where the guy is multi-year deals? Like I don't. Uh, maybe there's some, but I don't really none jump out at me. So um, yeah, I think that had a lot to do with it. So we'll move on to the. New Jersey Devils. Uh, they are just above the uh, Buffalo Sabres. 44 games played, 14 wins, 24 losses, six ties or overtime losses rather. They are negative 41 goal differential for 34 points. I believe they lost. They've been on a little bit of a losing streak. Uh, so their, their record was not. They weren't as far away from the rest of the pack as that last time we talked, uh, or they were just going starting their downward trend. The big trade with these guys. Uh, and it was we're going to talk about it first because it was one of the first moves they really made uh, was they shipped Cal- Kyle Palmieri and Travis Sajak to the Islanders for prospects A.J. Greer and Mason Yost. Uh, 
And they also got a 2021 first and a 2022 fourth. We did discuss this uh, deal uh, just before the trade deadline, but a little update on some of the prospects that they got. First, Greer, 24 years old. He has a goal and an assist in 10 games with his AHL team. He was acquired by the Islanders in a trade with Colorado. Uh, he's had 209 AHL games over five seasons with the AHL Bridport, Colorado, and San Antonio. He totaled uh, 59 goals, 70 assists for 129 points as a rookie in 2016-17. He did participate in the AHL All-Star Classic. Um, to me, he sounds like he's probably going to be an AHL guy with some, maybe some call-ups. He's still kind of young, but if you you got that many games in the AHL already, I don't see too much for you. Maybe he had some NHL time, but he doesn't seem to me like an NHL player. Um, originally a second-round pick in 2015 NHL draft, Greer has appeared in 37 NHL games of Colorado, picking up one goal and five assists. There you go. There's your answer right there. So it's 2021 now. So in six years, 37 NHL games. Doesn't sound like he's coming back up unless it's some kind of injury thing or whatnot. Uh, Yopes, who has a little bit more uh, chance, uh, he, although I'm seeing here he's 27 years old, has tallied two assists in seven games for Bridgeport this season. He recorded five goals and eight assists in 44 games as a rookie with the Sound Tigers in 2019-2020. He signed as a free agent with the Islanders after four years at Ohio State University, where he was a finalist for the Hobie Baker Award winner in 2019. Can you double check his age? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, he's 27. He was one of the. Oh. He was like a Matt Reed type of deal. He, college free. Okay. Yeah, college free agent. He's, I mean, to me, he's organizational depth that he, he would be your uh, definition of organi- organizational depth. I, I don't know that he ever really is an impact player for the Devils. Um, probably just uh, we got to move someone from our system. Maybe uh, Fitzgerald knew something about him and wanted to take a flyer, but uh, I don't I don't see him ever playing above a bottom uh, six role for the Devils. That is a little surprising to me, his age, in the sense that when I heard Russ Cohen, we've had him on the show before, talking about he's a prospect guy, he says that Yost will most likely be an NHL guy, not like he'd be great or anything. But I assumed, before delving into his history here, that he was, you know, a 22, 23-year-old guy, maybe even younger, but like right. an actual prospect. I'm not saying he's a, you know, a type, uh, an A-level prospect. But to see he's 27 years old is like, Jesus, he's like Scott Lawton's age. <laughs> um, so they also um, they traded a 2021 conditional third round pick to Washington for left handed defenseman Jonas Seidenglather. <laughs> Siegenthaler. Siegenthaler. Yeah, this was a uh, from what I heard, it was more of a numbers game for Washington just to ship him out. Uh, the condition on the pick is a third round pick will be the Arizona Coyotes pick previously acquired in the trailer to Taylor Hall trade unless the Coyotes opt to not send that pick this year. If that is the case, it will be the Devils 2021 third round pick. That is the only condition on the pick there. Uh, yeah, th- I did a little research on this guy. He doesn't seem like he'll be much of anything he, either. Your thoughts? Hey, he's a fill in defenseman, six, seven guy. Um, maybe gets a shot to play in New Jersey. I think Washington was a little crowded for him, but um, he's he just organizational depth. And like you said, I think Washington was just looking to move some salary. Um, so basically, I think New Jersey took advantage of that and basically gets a third round pick to pay the guy. his prorated eight hundred thousand dollars. So yeah, that's good not, move on not, that. It's not, I mean, to get a third 
you know, Washington get anything out of that because you know you're going to see why they needed to make some room in a bit. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not it's not bad, uh, especially in this draft like this where a third can either be a complete miss or you can hit on something because it's not going to be the same draft as always. So not bad. Uh, and the final move that the Devils made, uh, left-handed defenseman Dmitry Kulikov, who will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, was sent to the Edmonton Oilers for a 2022 conditional fourth-round pick. The condition on that is it will become a th- it could become a third if Edmonton wins a playoff round. That's very feasible. Um, this is just in a, a what five six defensemen to add. Some depth, Edmonton needed some defense in there. He's going to pretty much, what I read, he's going to kind of be like what Braden Coburn is going to do for the Islanders. He's going to kind of try to do for Edmonton. Nothing crazy there. They had to add something cheap, and they, they did. Yeah, I, I like the move for for the Devils, and I like it for Edmonton, too. You get a little bit of depth. You don't give up too much, and if you end up winning a, pl- a round in the playoffs, then you can handle it. And it's a pick in the, the following year, so I think that makes it even – even better for Edmonton's end, but in New Jersey's defense, you get a fourth, potentially a third round pick for a guy you were going to lose anyway. Exactly. And that's the whole point of trading your rentals, which we'd yep. like. Um, we'll jump up with uh, your Philadelphia Flyers, your overtime losing Philadelphia Flyers. Yes, they just lost one nothing to the Islanders after playing a pretty decent game. Uh, the effort level was there. It's definitely something I haven't seen in a long time. However, we're not here to talk about that. Just need to know that they lost, and the odds of them making the playoffs have become that much slimmer. Uh, in 44 games played this season, they are 20-18-6. and six. Funny how I used to joke by combining the overtime losses with the regular losses, which I think now is it's, it's 20-18-7, and seven, um, and how that number was bigger than their wins. Now the actual loss number is creeping so well, much closer. They are yeah. minus 33 goal differentials for, I believe it's 47 points now. I'm not sure if that's updated. Um, Either way, it's not going to matter because they're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, we'll get into the Rangers next and how that race is going. So Fletcher waited to the last possible second, but he was active at the trade deadline, thankfully. He did trade the – admitted his mistake in trading Eric Gustafson, who will be a free agent at the end of the year, to Montreal – uh, for a 2022 seventh round pick, I believe they retained half a salary, if not a quarter of it. Not that it matters. Uh, you got a seventh out of the guy. Hooray! I don't know if they've ever hit on a seventh ever, but the fact that they got Gustafson out of here and got something for him, you know what? We'll take it. Uh, the one name that was tough to see go was uh, Michael Roffel, a uh, fan favorite here. Always brought it. Good friends with Scotty Lawton, as I've been seeing all over <laughs> Google and Twitter. Uh, he'll be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Goes to Washington for a 2021 fifth. Not bad. Uh, and then while we were – before all those deals went down, uh, the Flyers, who we were heavily speculating would trade Scott Lawton and then might maybe re-sign him in the uh, offseason, but there is risk with that. He re-signs – Fletcher re-signs Lawton to a five-year deal with an annual average value of $3 million per. So your thoughts on the two trades and then hit me with your thoughts on the Scott Lawton uh, re-signing. All right, Gustafson, yeah, I would have taken a bag of pucks back for him, so I'll take a seventh-round pick. <laughs> Raffle, I, I kind of assumed he was going to go. Um, it was a shame to see him leave because he is a – he got a lot of flack early on because you saw him playing up in the lineup when guys were hurt, and he signed a, a, a contract, and everybody kind of felt like they wanted him to be more – Personally, I felt like he was a bottom six winger that was really good at what he 
was really good at to, for lack of a better way to say it, but like he knew his limitations. Um, I never thought he tried to do too much. I thought he was responsible in on both ends of the ice. Um, and he was the, he was the type of guy that if you needed someone to step up on the first line and play and really not kill you, he could do it. Um, so I got to say, I, I love this time here. It was a shame to see him go, but uh, I'll take the fifth round pick back for him and, Look, the way Washington's playing, I, I think he slides into a really good role there. He can play uh, probably fourth line. Maybe he bumps up to third a little bit. He can kill penalties. I, I think he's a, a really solid player for them to add to that team. And best of luck to him. But it, you could tell that he was a guy that was really liked in the locker room. And the players themselves were sad to see him go. Um, finally, Lawton, I really would love to know what teams were offering. Um, I felt like he was the most attractive piece they really had. And if, if you could give uh, Fletcher truth serum, I, I'd like to know was a high second round pick, maybe a combination of a second and I don't know, third, fourth conditional picks in there somewhere. What was really on the table for Lawton? Now, that being said, a five year deal at three million per. I, I can't be upset with that. Um He's uh, he's the type of player you need on good teams. He does the little things well. He's a pest to play against. He chirps on the ice. Um, he's got some skill. The guy gets a lot of breakaways. I'd like to see him finish more, but all in all, I can't be upset with that deal. I'm guessing that they went five years. Likely, I, I was expecting like a three-year deal for him, probably in the four, four and a half million range. But I'm guessing the Flyers ponied up with five and took an, a lower AAV to help with the cap, but I don't think it's a bad deal. I think his style of play will age well. Um, so I think Fletcher for not trading him for something to get him at that deal locked up now, I'm happy with it. Yeah. And just to back that up, Gustafson, anything great, Raffle, totally, totally agree. Lawton, the Steve Eisenman move here would have obviously been to trade him for a second round pick or maybe a third or a combination of picks um, and then resign him in the offseason, even if the deal was similar. You know, it, you, there is risk with that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't have examples of this. I can think of one. Not that I think it broke the bank with anything, but the Edmonton Oilers, um, they had. Oh, geez, now I'm going to blank on his name. Who's the guy that keeps getting shipped and winning cups everywhere? First with the Anna, uh, uh, Jesus. First with the Blues and then with the, the Lightning. Oh, uh, Patty Maroon. Pat Maroon, thank you. He was with the, the Oilers, and he loved it there, and which is rare for players to say, like playing with uh, um, McDavid and whatnot. They actually traded him to the Devils, and the whole plan was he was going to come back. And it just never happened. They talked about it in the offseason. Maybe things changed for him, and he signed with the Blues. And he's since won two cups with two different teams since. So it is possible that you have a handshake deal. I'm going to come back, and the guy doesn't come back. So if you really think he's important to your team, I can get behind back, you know, signing him. I can. It's, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but I, can, I understand it. Uh, the Fletcher has said they value what he brings to the team. I've said before, when you look at all the things that went wrong with the Flyers this year, it's a laundry list. It's a, it's a book of things. But Lawton's not in that book. Uh, he's one of the better players for this team this year, at least effort-wise. Um, and this is one of the things the fans complain about the most with this team is effort and hitting and standing up for your teammates. Not that Lawton is perfect across the board with this, but he's definitely one of the top guys to do something about it. 
and a lot of the guys who are ahead of him aren't flyers all the time, like Sam Moran. Like he's not always <laughs> playing. You know what I mean? Like Lawton is. And I completely agree with you. He got five years because that AAV was only $3 million. Yep. And had Lawton been like 29, 30 years old, I would have definitely not liked this deal. He's what, going to turn 27 soon? Yeah, like, that's, not that's the other thing. Right. This he, deal is tradable in three years. Like, I, I don't think you'd trade him any time before that. But, you know, he's got two years left. He, he'll be 30, 31, and he's got $3 million. It's a tradable contract if you have to. You're not this is you're not married to him by any stretch of the imagination. So there's been some serious overreaction with this deal. This is a guy that the fans want, so we're keeping him, and we're going to bitch about it. That just shows you how rough the season has been. The I, You should be able to sign this guy and move other guys out who we don't need and free up that space. And that's what when we had uh, Anthony Sands football on last Monday to close out the trade deadline day, he told us that he got a strong sense that eight or nine roster pieces would be moved out. At least two of those are going to be big names. I strongly believe that. So the money should shift a lot. And this $3 million should not be a big deal. And that flat cap error will come to an end. The cap will start to go back up again. It is not the end of the world. Uh, I like I like the Lawton's on the team here. Is it a perfect scenario? No, but it's not bad by any means either. And I think if you tried to trade him and bring him back, that would have been a huge gamble for where the Flyers are. Like if a player like Scott Lawton were to hit the open market, I don't think he's getting three million per year. I think you're looking at four million to start. Um, you might get shorter term uh, on the open market. Uh, I think a lot of teams would have been in that three year range. But I think if he's open to every all 31, well, I guess it would have been 32 other teams. Well, 31 other teams, including the Flyers, would be 32. I think his price gets driven up more so than the Flyers could have afforded. So it's risky. Is a second round pick worth losing out on Scott Lawton? Uh, if you believe he's truly a part of your plans long term, I would say no, because I don't think they were getting him back. If he if he became a UFA on July 1st. I don't think he's making it back to the Flyers at that contract. And I don't think the Flyers would have been in a position to match a contract of that size. So to me, I think it's it's a good deal for Fletcher. It's a good deal for the Flyers. And you always want to get as many assets as you can. But sometimes the moves you don't make are the better ones. And I think in this case, keeping Scott Lawton probably ends up being the better move. On Twitter, I've seen a lot of people posting his stats like the last like actually like 10 games. It's a lot of goose eggs. And I'm just like, yeah, that happens with a guy on your third line like this, you know, or not to mention how bad the team has been. You know, like I'm not I'm not looking at that and say, oh, this is the underlining issue here. He got signed because of what the intangibles he brings to this team that nobody else really has at all. None. Anything he gives you offensively is a bonus. You're you're signing him for his 200 foot play, his feistiness, and everything else he brings, and then whatever you get out of him points wise, you're you're assuming he's going to put up some, but you're not signing him to this deal expecting him to become a 20 25 goal scorer. You know what he is, and and, and he excels at that role. And listen, this penalty kill, I don't want to say it's on life support because it's been a little bit better, but at times it, it looked that way. If this team loses a Couturier, like, you know, not for like the season, but like for a extended period of time. Lawton's the guy 
forcing the puck the other way shorthanded. Yes, like you said, he needs to finish more. He's also not a first-line guy, so you deal with what you can. And there have been times where he finishes. Kevin Hayes is not the same player he's been last year. If you want to compare points, sure, but his effort level has not been there. He's not doing what he's accustomed to do. I don't see the effort level where Scott Lawton brings it every single night. So yeah. if you want to show me a 10, 15, hell, you show me this whole season worth of statistics and try to tell me that Lawton's not worth $3 million, like that's a lot of money all of a sudden. I'm not buying it because I've been watching him since he's come here. Really, he was drafted back in 2012. This guy loves being a flyer. He brings all the intangibles as we've been pounding into your skulls here. Anything he puts offensively on the board, he's going to chip in from time to time. So if you show me a little spurt where he's not, it's, it has no effect with me. He's not making $5 million for three years. He's making $3 million, which and that's it for five years. It's going to end up at the end of this term be a, a good deal. So, I agree. And if you have to move him, it's not hard to move him at all. And teams are going to want players like him. So I have no issues with this deal. It's up to Fletcher to move other players and money out of here to make it this seem more like a better deal. Once that happens, people are going to back off. Agreed. Uh, I'm with you. And the other thing that the Flyers did here was they did sign college free agent Jackson Cates. Why do we know that last name? Cates, that's because he's the younger brother of prospect, former fifth overall pick, Noah Cates. Uh, they signed him to a two-year, $925,000 entry-level deal. That deal begins this season. He's a 23-year-old Santa, 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 center out of Minnesota. <laughs> This is my accent coming in for you. Uh, Jackson's a really smart center who play who can make plays. Strong skater, has a good shot and an ability to score. Plays a good 200-foot game. How many times have we heard that? He played a big role on our power play and also killed penalties. Jackson is a player that our staff has followed closely throughout his college career. This is Brent Flair speaking. He's a tenacious two-way center that has steadily improved his overall game each season. He's been an integral part of a very successful college program at UMD, and we're excited to see him take his game to the next level. Hey, you know, it's free prospect. He's already 23. I think they, they knew him, so that's why they signed him, but I don't expect much out of him. Um, Steve, your thoughts on this signing here? You said it perfectly. He's all you did was pay him money. He doesn't necessarily he doesn't count against your cap. So you know what? Take a chance on a guy. Maybe he works out. Maybe he doesn't. But you didn't have to give up any assets to acquire him. Um, he's already got uh, Noah in the system. So I, I like the 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 lottery ticket. I mean that's what it is. And, and the fact that he's not a high end point producer or that's his only uh, asset that he brings to the table. I mean, obviously you want point producers, but like he's not just a goal scorer. So you get a guy that plays a good 200 foot game. If he doesn't work out from a scoring standpoint, maybe his game rounds into form and he's uh, a checking guy on the third or fourth line. So to me, it's, it's a high, re- low risk, high reward. I, I'm a fan of it. Exactly. You can't lose nothing here. Uh, so we'll move on from your flyers. Uh, the red hot New York Rangers. 45 games played, 23 wins, 16 losses, 6 overtime losses, plus 33 goal differential. That is exactly the opposite of the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Amazing. Uh, They have 52 points. The only move they made, because they were in a little bit of a weird scenario, a little situation, they traded Brendan Lemieux 
who has one year left after the season at $1.55 million to the Los Angeles Kings. In return, they acquired a 2021 fourth-round pick. Uh, if you listen to our show last Monday, we had Kyle Hall on from – he cut from the Broad Street hat or hat. I don't have the exact podcast on me, but he it is a uh, New York Rangers podcast. I asked him about this specifically because all we really had was they were bringing up their uh, Krasov, their former first-round pick from 2018. Um they, we found out there was a little bit more to the story because Brendan Lemieux has value, especially when you talk about intangibles and whatnot. And it would seem that Lemieux was only going to be a fourth at best third line player with the Rangers, and he requested the trade, saying sure. that he could he could um, do more for himself. And they obliged and traded him to L.A. So I don't think he's a second line player. I think he wants to be at least a third line player and doesn't want to be on the fourth line. Uh, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, it's better for the Flyers because I think he was an annoying player that could have potentially gotten better, and he requested a trade for those reasons, and that's it. Your thoughts on the only move the Rangers made at the deadline? I mean, I, I got to give them some props to, for training a guy that wanted out and wanted a bigger role. Um, they could have been stubborn and said, no, we want to keep you. We like you for what you're doing here. But they, they shipped him out. They got some value for him. A fourth-round pick is still a fourth-round pick. Um, you move a little bit of money and you got a guy that can kind of slide in the lineup. So I think we, we've said this before. I think the Rangers are probably about a year ahead of where we thought. Um, they started out the season slow. Lafreniere started slow. Um, Zibanejad, until he decided to play the Flyers and just score at will, um, started a little bit slow. So I think this team has seemingly come together. They're like, like you said, they're the po- almost the pole opposites of the Flyers where the Flyers started out good um, and then the wheels fell off. The Rangers started out slow and everything starts to uh, mold together. The team's playing well. They score a ton of goals. Um, They've gotten some good timely goaltending. So I don't think they catch the Bruins. Um, I think the two games in hand that the Bruins have is going to come into play. Um, But I I think they're trending in the right direction and they're going to be, they're going to be a tough out for a lot of years here in the future. It's a real shame, too. And I like Kyle Hall, but God, his team pisses me off. And they, the last thing they needed was Lafreniere. I know. Like, come on. So once they, it makes so much sense. I don't know what the deal would involve, but when they trade for Jack Eichel, <laughs> we're in serious shit, you know, because then they're just going to let their defense. Oh, by the way, it happened on the podcast when we were talking to uh, Kyle Hall. Zach Jones, I believe his name is, the defenseman. Um, I cannot remember if he was a draft pick for them. I think he was, and he was discussing um, staying in college. Uh, I'm going to try to pull that up for you real quick. Uh, decided that not only would he sign with his entry-level deal with the Rangers, but he was going to report directly to the Rangers. Um, oh, you're talking about the kid from UMass, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I don't know if he played today, but just it feels like the rich gets richer. Five days ago, he signed and joined the team. This is according to thehockeywriters.com, and it's Kyle uh, he was the third-round pick in 2019. He's 20-year-old left-handed defenseman, signed a three-year entry-level deal with a cap hit of 832000 and a half, 500 whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, the only thing I can't find is if he has skated or played with the Rangers yet. I, I, think, um, I think he had to do at least a week quarantine. Right. Um, but from everything I hear, this kid's the real deal. Mm-hmm. maybe needs to get a little bit stronger. I don't know that he's ready to be on a blue line in the NHL just yet, but 
it sounds like he's he's every bit the solid defenseman that uh, that the Rangers are looking for. And I think he's I don't know if we see him in the playoffs. Um, he might be a reserve guy. If someone gets hurt, he might come up, maybe a power play guy. But they're just they're just stacking talent. Scary, man. How um how much sense does it? Because the other thing they needed center depth center. and some more defense. They've drafted yeah. defense. They got Adam Fox looking like a dark horse for the Norris Trophy. I mean, like if not this year in the future. Um, they got uh, DeAndre Miller, who's very good. Keandre. What did I say? DeAndre. I'm gonna yeah. basketball talk. I know. Yeah, Keandre uh, Miller. Um. Uh, you know, I think Brendan Smith's going to come off the books. They're going to have some money to play with there, if not this year, next. You know, Shosturkin should be their goalie of the future. This makes a lot of sense for them to trade for Jack Eichel. They need that center. Why not go all out? Can you imagine a top line of Lafreniere, Panarin, and and Eichel? I I know two of them are left wingers, but it's, you could put Panarin on the right and be just fine. You know, yeah, I mean, you'll like, figure it I out. Mean, that is insane. I know Lafreniere's still young, but like they got a, like a, a third line, like a kids line. And it was like Cheadle, Capo, and somebody else. And it's just maybe it's, I don't think it was Bushnevich, who's another guy who looks pretty good. Yeah. Like um, I, I can't exactly remember who it was, but like they have so many exciting names on this team. And it's just like that was like the third line. I'm like I would take that as our second line right now. And then the guys they do have leading them are like studs. You know, the, 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 this team's gonna be scary. I'm hoping that somehow the older guys get old quick. And Zabitajad is really – he's still in his 20s. Isn't he like 28? He's 29. 29. Kreider's uh, – he's 30. Tell me he's 30 at least. Uh, let's see. Kreider is 29. I'm sorry. Kreider's 29. Zabitajad is 28. Jesus Christ. See what I'm talking about? Like is it, they are set up. If they can maneuver their finances – that's why the Anthony D'Angelo thing is going to be so – you know, because they're talking about buying him out or they intend to buy him out at the end of the year. Like – it's going to be tough. I would really like to be in the Rangers position right now, though. They have yep. the superstars, which we don't have. We don't have any of them coming. You can talk all day you want about Claude Giroux and all that, and it's great. The time is coming past. Like we, we, there's not one superstar in the Flyers. It, could it potentially be Hart? Sure, but it's not looking very good right now. Uh, same with Provorov. Same with Farabee's still too young, and he's not scoring at a superstar pace. You never know, but I don't see it. It's not Barzellish. It's not. I don't see that, so I, I'm not – too keen on any of the Flyers' prospects. Like, you think Cam York's going to be a superstar? No. Um, sure. Might be a good player. Might be a solid yeah. defenseman. But do you see superstar? Not, not yet. I mean, from what I've seen, he's decent, but I can't say superstar. Right. I know it's early for me to make that jump, but there's no reason for me to think that he would be a legitimate superstar. If we had uh, 2021 Hobie Award winner Cole Caulfield, maybe we have uh, you know something on our hands here, but we don't. We do not. So, yeah, I think you need a good combination of everything, of good players and superstars and whatnot and guys who are, give you that consistent effort day, night in and night out. And you're seeing that with the Rangers. You have potential superstars. I'm not ready to write off Capo, but you have him. Lafreniere, obviously. You've got your, your older guys in Kreider and Zabitajet who really aren't that much older. You have Adam Fox on your blue line. You have Panarin, who's an absolute superstar. You know – I don't know who they would give up to get Eichel, but if they can keep it reasonable, I would include 
Capo in this deal because they have enough wingers as it is. I was going to say um, Capo. Capo would almost definitely be involved. And I and I not that I hate hate the guy, but I drive in the airport. Like, what are you, what are you yeah. losing when you're what you're gaining back? Like that's they have a plethora of talents. Like I would give up more than that. Like I just he would be like a key piece, multiple first round picks, I guess. But I don't know what they'd be looking for. They're not getting. I'm not getting. It's not worth it to trade Fox if you're me. You know, you're not, they're not going to trade anybody with legit money. So you have to look at your prospects or your young kids and combination of them. I mean, why not? And it's probably going to happen. Like, we don't even know what Krostov's capable of. Maybe that was the other guy in the third line I wasn't thinking of. You know, like he's a top pick, like a top 10 pick in 2018. They were, were just waiting to come over for in Russia. Like, Crazy. All right, enough, enough of, you know, I almost said yeah, something I'm, really I'm getting depressed. Like we were just talking. <laughs> oh, <wow>. <laughs> <laughs> enough giving them credit. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, move on to the Boston Bruins. Uh, who have been playing better lately? That's probably because they acquired Taylor Hall. 43 games played, 25-12-6, and six, plus 15 goal differential, 56 points. They did beat the Capitals today. I believe it was today. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes, as we alluded to earlier. Before we get into the, their Taylor Hall move on their end, uh, I just want to sh- talk about the other move that they did make, and they did trade a 2022 third-round pick to Ottawa for left-handed defenseman Mike Riley. Looks like he'll be a rental. Your thoughts on that little uh, depth move? It was good. I mean, they've been dealing with some injuries on the back end. Um, I think they just wanted to add an, another player. And Riley, this was like what I was going back to earlier. I think a lot of defensemen were going for next to nothing. And Mike Riley's like an under-the-radar name, but I think he could be a pretty decent impact player come playoff time. Um, put him. He's probably going to slot in on the second pair. And he's he can make a nice outlet pass. Uh, I really like the move for them. And I think it kind of because they traded for Taylor Hall, it just went really under the radar. But I, I think he could be a player you'll hear from come playoff time. I mean, you're probably right. And I think Boston recognized that because they essentially gave up the same price that Florida gave up for Brandon Montour. The only right. difference is most of these teams acquiring draft picks, they prefer the 2022 draft picks in 2021 went for Montour uh, 2021 third where this was a 2022 so technically if that's the case if they're valuing 2022 picks more he kind of went for more than Brandon Montour did depending on how you look at it which I guess they're seeing what what you're seeing in it too I I don't know I don't know enough about Mike Riley but there's got to be where there's smoke there's probably some fire so the other thing we'll talk about as we alluded to earlier when we talked about buffalo they acquire taylor hall and curtis lazar as you know taylor hall is a free agent at the end of the year where lazar they'll have one more year on the very cheap um so yeah your thoughts on this from boston's perspective and mainly taylor hall has come out and said that he does see himself resigning with buffalo uh, boston rather i don't know how that works financially if they if it's feasible and they have needs at defense but your thoughts on the whole thing I think they they addressed the three – they brought in three players that were perfect for what they needed. They needed another winger that can score. Um, they needed another bottom six forward that could kind of do it all, a little kill, kill some penalties, um, play a, a heavier checking role. Um, and then they needed another guy on the back end. And I think they addressed those three needs with those three players pretty well. Um, they didn't give up anything that really hurts them. Uh, in the short term or the long term. Um, Anders Bjork, like I said, I don't know that he ever really fit in there that well, but I think they're, if Tuca comes back and he's healthy, Halak, once he gets back from the COVID list, they might be a team that 
you don't really want to play in the first round of the playoffs. I think they've kind of just skated along the the regular season, just basically trying to hold on to that playoff position and get healthy and get in. And then everything's different. You add Taylor Hall. We know Buffalo. It didn't work out. Nothing really worked out for anybody in Buffalo this year. And he gets to play for a team that is fighting for a playoff spot and potentially positioning in the playoffs. So I, I love the move for Boston. Unfortunately, I hate them. But you know what? Compared to some of the other teams, I might not hate them as much. Um, Hall addresses a need. I think he's shown that he can. He still has that skill. He still has that speed that we knew. So they're they're uh, they're putting themselves in a really good position to make a run in the playoffs. I think. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Essentially, and we've already seen it today that how well Boston looked, even when the game before. I think Hall scored. He has two yep. goals all season. He scored in his first. I think it was his yep. first game as a Bruin. Yeah. Uh, and then they uh, they went today against the leading the division leading Washington Capitals. I don't know if he resigns. I don't. I really why he would say that and like you know hurt his maybe hurt his potential contract chances. But really, I thought he was hell bent for Calgary. I really believe that. I kind of did too. I, I thought that was going to be the move. And if they were in a playoff position, I wonder if they would have gone after him. Um, I could see Hall staying in Buffalo. They, the, I mean, they've got Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand on very reasonable contracts. Um, they can fit him in. I think the question is how much would they pay him? Like if, if you're Taylor, like it seems like he wants to cash in. He took a one year deal this year to basically, uh, I think it partially because of the flat cap and partially just because the long-term offers weren't there, but I think he wants to cash in next year. Now, if Boston's offering him six, six and a half, is he worth that? I, I have a hard time saying yes or no right now because what he did in Buffalo was just so bad, but I'm not going to judge him on that. Um, Like, do you pay him more than Marshawn? Do you pay him more than Pasternak? It's it's going to be an interesting situation, but I could definitely see him staying in, in Boston. And, and financially, I, I think they have the, the means to do it. They do definitely need to add a few guys on defense for next year. Um, they have a couple of expiring contracts, but nothing too detrimental to, to them in the forwards area. So, yeah, I could, I could definitely see them making a play for him. So there's two big expiring contracts, and we had um, Shannon Walsh on from the Slapshot Sweethearts podcast. They are a Boston Bruins podcast. She brought up that they might be moving on from Tuka Rask, and he's yeah. a free agent after this year. That's $7 million. Halak, I can't imagine if they bring him back that, that his 2.25, uh, it'll definitely go down. And David Krejci at $7.25 million. Or so they got like $16, 17000000 million coming off, off the cap. So they could absolutely keep Taylor Hall, and if they can play his poor season – off and get, get a reasonable deal in there. I mean, at some point their young guys might catch up with them. They're going to have to add more defense. They might be able to pull that off. They have deals expiring at the right time. You know what? Maybe it's more feasible than I originally realized with all the, I didn't realize that Krejci was going to be gone. Hey, sure. They might even keep him for super cheap. Who knows? But 
they're going to have the money. So, yeah, maybe that is definitely feasible there. So, there you yeah, go. Yeah, and I think a lot of it will depend on how his time in Boston goes over the next couple of months. It could work out really well for him. Uh, I mean, it's already started out well, but if he plays well and he likes he likes that locker room, um, I could definitely see him resigning there. You know what's funny about Taylor Hall in Boston? They could have, they almost had him uh, uh, originally. They did, yeah. And yeah, then they wound up with, uh, oh my God, the Dallas Dallas Stars. Uh, Sagan. Sagan, Tyler yeah. Sagan. Good yep. Whenever I put myself on the spot, I fail miserably. <laughs> uh, That's what I'm here for. It's... In the Phil Kessel trade, back way yep. back in the day, uh, they got the second overall pick of that year's draft. Edmonton went Taylor Hall, and it was pretty close from what I remember. Yeah. They wound up with Sagan. They probably shouldn't have traded Sagan, but it is what it is. Hmm. And they wound up with Taylor Hall. So it is interesting. Uh, revisionist history. It all comes so, full circle, Jack. Well, you know, full circle, and the Flyers are on the outside looking at it. All right, so <laughs> we'll move on to the Pittsburgh Penguins. 46 games played, 28-15-3, and three, plus 26 goal differential, 59 points. Started today, they were actually in second place, which makes me want to cry. Speaking of wanting to cry, they did make one trade acquiring former flyer and the literal reason the inspiration behind the name of our very show and i'm not talking about full circle i'm talking about high and wide jeff carter (laughs) is now a pittsburgh penguin ron hextall also former flyer and former flyers gm trades a conditional 2022 third and a 2023 fourth to L.A. for Jeff Carter for the rest of this year, and he's one year left at just under $2.7 million. That's because it's a weird 2.66363. It's weird. It's a weird number. So just under $2.7 million for next year. The conditions is if the Penguins make the Cup and Carter plays 50% of the playoff games, that 2022 third will become a 2022 second. Um, the fact that Pittsburgh's already dipping into 2023 to move picks is showing you how they really don't have much. Um, that being said, hate the deal. Jeff Carter was, was a flyer. Now I got to see him with Pitt for the rest of this year and next. Your thoughts? Yeah, I hate the deal too. I, I hate it for him being in a Pittsburgh sweater and seeing him on the bench wearing that was just, I, I, I couldn't stomach it. It was brutal. And like you said, knowing he's going to be there another year is even worse. Now that being said, for Pittsburgh, they are clearly all in. They have basically no picks over the next two years. Um, I mean, 22, they've got a one and a conditional two. So, or they traded a conditional two. So they're, they're, uh, they're really going for it. Um, I actually think it was a really good move to bring him in. He kept being rumored to Philly the last, what last year for sure. Um, and I didn't see how they would do it with the money. And man, Ron Hextall made out, I think he made out really well. I got to be honest Um, to get the Kings to retain 50% of that salary, I think is a huge win for him. Um, It keeps his salary down or at least the cap it down, I should say. And I think that was really where they've been so strapped. So the fact that you're only paying him about 2.7 million the next two years is a huge win for the Pittsburgh. And I think he brings that big body scoring shoot from anywhere and anytime mentality. And look in the playoffs, if, if he gets on a line with Gensel and Crosby, look out, man. Cause I, I think that's like what he needs for his career. He was, I mean, LA, how could you hate playing out there? The weather's beautiful. 
Um, you go to the rink, whether or not the team's good, at least you get to come out to sunshine pretty much every day. So now he's on a cup contender. Um, this is probably his really last shot at, at getting a, another cup. Um, so I think kudos to him for getting there. And I think Pittsburgh made a really good deal. And the fact that he's under contract for another year at 2.7 just is, is amazing. And, and LA, I feel like they should have got a little bit more when I saw the return and the fact that they retained 50% of the salary. I was, I was kind of surprised, but I think he could be a guy that is a difference maker in the playoffs for them. Yeah, it's a freaking shame. Uh, for a year, like you said, he's always been rumored to the Flyers. The money didn't make sense. And because of that, and the fact that Carter didn't want to leave L.A. He's a, he's, he's a gamer, but he never he loved it out there. And I heard mm-hmm. this took some convincing. Yep. You have to figure the fact that Hextall was involved with that organization when they were winning, had a little bit of something to do with it. But everything you said is right. To, to save all that money, thing we've uh, issue we've had with the Penguins has been their depth. And when you just plop, you know, uh, Carter uh, right into the middle of that lineup like that, and they don't, you no know, other names go back or anything. I'm thinking of a they really wanted to go all out a power play of Yensel, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Carter. I mean, those are all those guys can will shoot. They will shoot. It's the exact opposite of a Flyers power play. I mean, they're all <laughs> passing. Like I, they may not do that, but like the idea that they could and still have a pretty decent second power play unit as well, based on who they how they deploy it. You know. And just the overall depth involved. I mean, this team is Achilles Hill is still going to be their defense, but no team's perfect. And the fact that they're winning and at a Carter like this, and they're going to have them next year. I hate being a Flyers fan right now. I, I really know. do. I know. So let, let's let's stop talking about those those losers. <laughs> um, so New York Islanders, who we saw uh, up close and personal tonight, we outplayed them. If you ask me, although Sorokin looked damn good, yes, Elliot he did. almost matched him. Technically, no Islanders scored. It was Sandheim who uh, deflected the puck, uh, trying to break up a pass into his own net. They kind of stole one from the Flyers there. Flyers' playoff chances are pretty much done. Uh, Islanders, 45 games played, 28-13-4, plus 22 goal differential for 60 points. Um, before we talk about the Palmieri and Sajak deal one last time, they traded, and speaking of former Flyers, a 2022 seventh-round pick to Ottawa for left-handed defenseman. Braden Coburn. Uh, yeah, thoughts on good old uh, Coburn, the nose, the hook. Still uh, just making his rounds in the NHL this season. Uh, what he was at Tampa, Ottawa, got waived by Ottawa. Now he's in New York. Well, yeah, New York. Um, good depth piece, um, playoff experience, cup winner. I think it's a smart move for them. You, you, you've got some guys back there with experience, but he's – He's been to the cup. He's won a cup. So uh, I'd like to move for them. And let's be honest, giving up a seventh round pick, who who really cares? And it's in 22. So good good for the Islanders for adding another depth piece. I, I think it, when it comes to playoff time, you can never have enough uh, depth on the back end. Um, and I think they're really guarding against that in case anybody gets hurt. So I, I like to move for them. Probably not going to move any needles, but at least if if it comes to the point where – you need a guy to step in. He's the guy that can do it. Yep. And uh, this is a move the Flyers I thought were going to make or should have made earlier in the season, except for it wouldn't have cost him anything. I believe he was claimable at one point, and we yep. would needed just any kind of change on defense, and it just made sense. And they didn't even they didn't even kick the tire. So whatever. Um, 
So finally, we did talk about Palmieri and Sajak. They're both unrestricted free agents at the end of the year. Since coming over, the Islanders have kind of stuttered. You know, they beat the Flyers, but who doesn't beat the Flyers? Uh, they really have been sinking to the point where they actually, until until they beat the Flyers, slipped down into third place. Um, firstly, do you see either of these guys returning next year? And what do you think about the Islanders' chances going forward? I'm going to say, and what we talked about with Scott Lawton, I'm going to go the other way on this one. I actually think Balmary ends up back in New Jersey. Um, I think he really enjoyed it there. I know they were trying to get a deal done, um, but my guess is that's where he ends up. And I think Zajac, if they make a decent run in the playoffs, I I could see him hanging it up. And if not, I don't know that he really wants to – like it sounded like he was a lifer in New Jersey, and he got an opportunity that wasn't too far from where he's played his whole career. Um, He gets to go on a playoff run. Um, slot in for a good team. So I, I think it was just like the perfect storm because I really always heard that he was going to basically finish out his career in New Jersey. So after this, I could see him signing another one-year deal in Jersey or I could see him hanging it up. Um, overall, I think it's a good move for the Islanders. They needed these guys. Um, after losing Anders Lee, they definitely were in need of another um, piece up front, a piece or two. Um, I don't know. It's it's funny that you add those two guys and they kind of they kind of fall off a little bit. Um, but it could just be that they're taking a little bit of time to get used to each other. Now, ultimately, in a playoff series with the Penguins, I know they've played them well in the past few years. I just think that they still are going to have some trouble scoring goals the way they the style they play, and it works. It can work in the regular season. It can work against certain opponents in the playoffs, but if Pittsburgh gets healthy and that's the team they match up against, especially if Pittsburgh's goaltending is playing the way it's been um, over the last few weeks, I could see Pittsburgh kind of just outscoring them and just muscling them out of the playoffs. But overall, I think it was a move they needed to make. I'd like to know how close they actually got on Taylor Hall. Um, But I think Palmieri and Zajac both fit Lou um, more than bringing in Taylor Hall at that, that stage, especially with Barry Trotz as the coach. So I think this made, move made more sense for them. Yeah, I agree with that. This is also uh, Say Jack. It's so funny. We talked about him earlier in the year. Uh, yeah. Ian Crosby had 1,000 games. Uh, he does go to a GM that drafted him, so there's that there. Uh, yep. Yep. I wouldn't surprise me. Both these guys are back with the Devils if Say Jack doesn't flat-out retire like you were saying. Um it is. You brought up a good point there at the end, how close they came to Hall, considering what they gave up to get these guys and what Hall went for. I really wonder. Uh, I don't know. I, from what I heard on listening to the NHL Network, Hall flexed his no-trade clause a little bit, and maybe yeah. that has something to do with it. I could have seen him not wanting to play for Trotz and that factoring into it. So that wouldn't su- surprise me one bit. Yeah, so – like you said, these guys seem to make more sense for Lou Lamorello and Trotz anyway. However, we've yet to see them really pick it up. But you know what? That can happen at any any point. Yep. Uh, and then finally, your Metro, or I'm sorry, Mass Mutual East leading Washington Capitals, 46 games played, 29-13-4 for a plus 22 goal differential for 62 points. They were beaten by Boston today, but they beat the hell out of the Flyers the last whole season, essentially. As we alluded to earlier, they acquired Michael Roffel, which is a nice depth piece for them. 
As we also alluded to earlier, they uh, they shift off left-handed defenseman Jonas, and I'm going to say this three different ways. You tell me which one's the right one. Siegenthaler, Seidenglather, Surgeon Folly. <laughs> the first one you were close. Siegenthaler. Siegenthaler. Seigenthaler. I love that name. Let me tell you. To New Jersey for a 2021 conditional third-round pick. So we already discussed those. They're not worth discussing anymore. One was a contract off the books, numbers game. Another one was Michael Roffel, which we discussed our love for him. And you play this guy all throughout the line. If you need to, great depth piece. Good for the playoffs, really. And I thought pretty good value for a fifth-round pick. Now the big move. This one baffles me. And I'm just going to I'm gonna lay out the trade, and I'm just going to go to you. The Washington Capitals traded Jacob Verana, who will be an, a restricted free agent at the end of the year. Richard Panic, who's got, after this season, two more years at 2.75 mil, a 2021 first, a 2022 second, to the Detroit Red Wings for Anthony Mantha, who is, after this year, has three more years at 5.7 mil. Steve. I was very, very surprised by this move. Uh, Mantha just signed the four-year contract last year. I think the 5'7 is a fairly reasonable cap hit for him, maybe a tad high, but that's semantics. Vrana, he always feels like a guy that's on the verge of breaking out. He does go through some cold stretches, I think, and to me, he's the type of player that needs to play with skilled, uh, a skilled center that can get him the puck. But his 5-on-5 numbers are really good. And if you look at it, his 5-on-5 numbers were actually better than Anthony Mantha. And Vrana, last year and for parts of this year, he wasn't playing on the first power play unit. So a lot of his points were coming from 5-on-5 play, which is very valuable in the playoffs. We know sometimes those whistles go away and there's a lot of 5-on-5 hockey. I was really, really shocked that they gave up on him at this point in his career. Now, I know he's going to be an RFA. You're going to have to sign him. But it felt like a very, very strange move. You move Panic, that one feels like it was a, a salary move. Um, you need to take some more money off the books, acquiring the 5.7. So that's what I assume that move is. But then for Stevie Y to come, come in and get a first-round pick and a second-round pick on top of that, I was just blown away, like, does he have pictures of uh, the Washington GM somewhere compromising pictures? It, it was almost like a, a fantasy deal you make with someone in your league. It's like, all right, give me this guy a first round pick, a second round pick, and then uh, you take this guy back. And Washington turned around and said, oh, okay, why not? Let's do it. Um, it was a really shocking move for a team that's been in first place most of the year. Um, Mantha is a solid player, but for a guy that's six foot five, I think he plays a little soft. I, I'd like to see him use his body more and, and be a little harder on the puck, but I, I don't know, man. This one had me shaking my head. This was definitely the deal that I looked at and had the hardest time figuring out, um, for the Capitals, but for hats off to Detroit, man, because this is the type of deal you might look back on in a couple years and say this is what helped turn a franchise around. I mean, yeah, you couldn't have said it better. When you compare these guys' stats, they're almost identical. Obviously, Mantha has a year on Verona, and Verona would have to have a pretty solid season to match those numbers. Verona is two years younger than Mantha at only 24 years old. 
And like you said, if you want to argue who's better, you can do that all day long. Maybe Mantha in some way, shape, or form comes out on top, although you made a very good point about five-on-five five in the playoffs. Um, but you got to remember they gave up a first and a second as well. Right, right. So that, that is not – I mean, sure, do you want to get rid of Richard Ponick's numbers or his, his cap hit? Because, you know, maybe, but 2.75, I know it's two years, but how, how really bad is that? Like where you're giving up a first and a second and Verona to swap Mantha? Like – I talk about trading a first with Vorchek to Seattle just to get that money. That's five years at eight something. So like <laughs> I can understand that, but like this, like I, I really, I'm ba- I'm absolutely baffled. I don't. Their, their stats are almost identical. The way you started off with Verana was a way that Mantha was discussed when he first came around. <laughs> you know, like and. One thing we said about Fletcher was if you're going to make a trade, we want you need to make trades. But we were starting to hear names like Mark Stahl and uh, Jonathan Bernier, and it was like, okay, I'm, I'm all for Bernier, uh, I guess. Uh, Mark Stahl does nothing for me. However, don't trade with Stevie Y. Yes. Just don't do yep. it. You're going to get your underwear pulled up over your head. They're going <laughs> to find you with your lunch money gone. You know, and it looks like, and I don't even know why Washington was. They should have been, I thought, trying to add more defensive depth or a, uh, another goaltender. Like they couldn't get Bernier in this deal too. They couldn't right. get like, like what? Well, I don't understand. I just don't understand the thought process here. Like you said, like a fantasy trade. We've had trades like this go down where it's like maybe he was talked about at first, and then the, the Washington GM forgot to put him back in the deal or something, and then it was like, okay, deal, deal. You're sure? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Okay, fine. You know, it's like. I, I, there's it just I don't there the difference between the two players isn't two picks like this and on top of that Verona's two years younger unless he one is say I want out of here or two is asking for a ridiculous amount of money which really doesn't make sense I I don't get it I I flat out don't get it I don't think Washington got any worse I just why give up that draft capital you know to save I can't even say to save the money because now they're I mean, going forward, unless they thought they were going to pay Verona six, six and a half, seven, but in a flat cap hour, you can use that to your advantage. He's a restricted free agent. I, I, every time I think I have an answer as to why they did it, I, I've come back against it. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. So, I, I, I'm with there's, you. There's, there's, there's I, still I just, the best team in the division. You know, I still think they're going to be good, but going forward, I just don't get it. Jack, was it a panic move? Uh, <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. I got nothing. I mean, I got no rebuttal to that. Like, <laughs> If I look at their their contract situation next year, they've got pretty much everybody under contract except from a forward standpoint, uh, except Ovechkin, which we all expect him to be back, and Raffle. So pretty much your whole forward group is coming back next year, and that includes Mantha. But if you take Mantha out at the 5.7, you got to figure Vrana, based on his age and RFA status, he's probably in the three-ish range. Maybe a little less, maybe a tad more, but like, I don't know. Maybe that he just, maybe Lavi didn't see it. Maybe Brian McClellan didn't see it long term, and maybe they think he's actually playing better than he is because of the talent around him. And Anthony Mantha comes in and can take advantage of that talent. But I like what I've seen out of Verona. I think he's got a good shot. He skates well. And, it's still a head scratcher. Like you said, every time you try and figure out one angle, another comes in and it's like, eh, that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I had to put like a final nail in the coffin. This is the why I think they did it. 
and it's not a strong argument by any means, it's kind of what you just said. They think Mantha is better than Verona with these yep. guys. Yep. And and that's it. And I think he has played pretty well, pretty well since he's come in. But like, I, I don't know. Unless they think he's gonna be the guy they put on the line with Ovechkin and Backstrom, and they can go go back to when they had their you know the same two players and what was it, Alexander Semin or whoever they oh, tried yeah. adding. Because I know Oshie's still there, but he's not really a first line guy, and Kuznetsov isn't really as good as we thought he was, uh, or Kucherov rather. No, Kuznetsov. Yeah, Kuzi. Kuznetsov, yes. Um, and, you know, Todd Wilson's nice, but, like, we know he's not as good as his stats show because of who he's playing with, which is why, if you believe Mantha truly is good, he should jump or double, maybe not double, but, like, his stats should significantly go up. And maybe he, he is better than Verana, and maybe they, they see something there. I, I don't know. But hearing that he plays soft and, you know – Detroit was quick to move him out, and you're talking about Stevie Y. It's a, it's very head scratching. And, and maybe the the Red Wings look, or I'm sorry, the Capitals look at it like adding Anthony Mantha and potentially playing him on the top line allows all of the other players down the lineup to slot into areas that they feel that they're best suited for. So Verona. If he was playing on the third line, it me or second or third line, it means you're probably bumping someone else like a Tom Wilson. That good player. I don't know that he's a top line guy come playoff time. Um, but now you add Mantha and maybe they see everybody else slotting down the lineup a little bit better. So that's another angle. Um, and Mantha playing with better players is certainly not going to hurt him. But it's just I, I still have. I really think looking back on this deal in two, three years, we're going to say that uh, McClellan got fleeced by Stevie Y. Yeah, it really feels that way. Um, And if they calculated that Mantha is going to play significantly better with this team and go on this scoring, you know, spree or just complete that line and make them studs all around. I have a feeling they're going to look back and be like, yeah, we, we strongly miscalculated that. I think he's going to be the same player, maybe a little bit better, but not, not worth what they gave up. And uh, yeah, finance and cap wise, I don't get it. So. And now on the flip side, Verona gets to go to a team that isn't loaded up front. Um, he maybe gets the chance to play on the first power play unit to play on a first right now. I believe he's slotted on the second line, but maybe he bumps up to the first line And maybe that helps unlock his potential, give him more ice time, more opportunities. And look, the guy's improved on his point total every year he's been in the NHL. So let's see what happens with Detroit in a bigger role that that could he could take off. And Washington could have been missing a big piece. Yeah, you got some some names coming into Detroit. You know, I assume Zadina eventually plays. You got Larkin there already. Um, Mo Sider. Yeah, it was, I got him in fantasy, believe it or not. So I'm hoping he comes ton up. A ton of picks, and they took who was the uh, the other guy they got last year? Uh, who did they go? Oh, Lucas Raymond. Yeah, I mean they got names, they got guys, they have more that I'm just not thinking of right now. They and I'm sure they'll once they're ready to go, they'll start making signings because they got money, you yeah. know. And uh, they might be able to offer uh, certain players what they wouldn't get elsewhere because of the flat cap and. Yeah, it was a sneaky move. Oh, I just, it's so hard to call it a sneaky move. It just doesn't make sense. Like a sneaky move <laughs> is like a third for a guy who's worth much more than a third. But like this is just like, – I don't know. Yeah, they have, <laughs> no answers. I, 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 
Washington's still very capable of winning the division and making some noise in the playoffs. Oh, 100%. But going forward, like, I don't know. <laughs> I got nothing. It's crazy. Uh, the Red the Red Wings have two ones, three twos, two threes, two fours, two fives. That's a lot of draft capital. And it's it's Stevie Y making the picks too, so yep. that's definitely got to make you uh, very happy as a, a Red Wings fan. <laughs> like that's just insane. Uh, I'm trying to pull up their prospects real quick because I feel like we're missing like one. I said Zadina, you said Cider, uh, and then Raymond, Lucas Raymond. I think was last year. Joe, uh, Joe Valeno. I, I oh, don't yeah, spell Valeno, differently than Valeno that we know, but he was a first round pick. Uh, I thought there was. I really thought there was one more like stud. Let's see here. Cider's an untouchable. Lucas Raymond. Joe Valeno. Yeah, the other guys are kind of. Yeah. So there's only one other guy that I don't really know a whole lot about, and that's Jotan Bergerin. I don't know. Swedish winger, but hey, if the uh, Detroit believes in him and CBY is running the ship, he's probably going to be pretty good. You're so, right. yeah, so interesting there. And like I said, I think they're going to make some moves uh, and ultimately see what happens. And I guess that's good for us if Ferrana was the real deal and he's no longer with the with the Capitals as uh, Ovi gets another year older. So true. if uh, that, that's the trade deadline recap for the Mass Mutual East. Uh, everybody who is trying to make the playoffs improved. The sellers sold. Flyers are <laughs> one of those teams. Um, other than that, Steve, you got anything else? No. I, I mean, uh, one more thing. You know what? Patrick Marlowe just tied uh, Gordie Howe for all-time games played. I want to say it's 1,761 or thereabout. Um, but it's unbelievable to think that he's still going. Um, just hats off to him for such a great career, and he's been – you've never heard a bad word about the guy. I'm sorry, 1767. Um, he's got almost 1,200 points, just an unbelievable career. And to pass uh, Gordie Howe for all-time games played is just – it's kind of incredible. I, I don't know that – I mean, it, I'm not going to say never, but – this is a record that I didn't think was really going to get touched, but congrats to Marlowe for uh, for passing, well, seemingly passing it tomorrow. Yeah, and well, did you see what the Wild did when he when he hit it? They yeah, everybody went over to the ultimate sign of respect. Everybody went over to shake his hand, and, and like you know, you're playing with a living legend, first ballot Hall of Famer, never the best guy on his team, but he was always he was always in the mix and. His career was fun to watch. Yep, incredible. Well, they shut out there. That's very good. Can't bring that full circle back to the Flyers. Uh, I don't think any Flyer will ever come anywhere close to that one. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, so uh, maybe Carhartt. Yeah, who am I kidding? Um, <laughs> all right, so with, uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of Full Circle. A pretty good one there, pretty beefy one with the trade deadline. Please uh, remember to check out our main show with myself, Jimmy, and Kyle. Uh, the Sheriff with Kyle and Sean McMorrow. They just had Nathan Perot on. So go check that out by all means. Uh, the HW website at hwhockey.net. Remember, we are on the full press coverage app. We are now officially on the Belly Up Sports app. Check out our shows. We collabed with a few of the guys over there, guys and gals, I should say. Shows with uh, Ranger, got Kyle Hall covers the Rangers and Shannon Walsh, who covers the Bruins. I cannot remember the exact names of their podcast. I believe I did mention it earlier in the episodes. But please check out the Belly Up Sports site. 
and you can check all those podcasts out if uh, need you be. Uh, High Wide Hockey YouTube channel, HW on the Fly. Keep an eye out for some more YouTube content. That is definitely where we have lacked the most. Uh, we did, we were talking to some people about something going on there. A couple of other flyers YouTube podcasts that we might be uh, doing a lot more collaborations with, and some some exciting stuff. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, that'll do it for this week, guys, gals, Flyers fans. Until next time.